You're listening to the Godfather and Gorney Podcast on Rivals.com with your host, the Godfather of Recruiting, Mike Farrell. <laughs> this podcast is taking a turn. And National Recruiting Analyst, Adam Gorney. We once spent a New Year's Eve together in Denny's in San Antonio, and it was really the low point of my life. That's right. Welcome into another edition of the Godfather and Gorney podcast. My name is Dave Barry, producer of the show, and I am joined by, as the announcer said, Godfather of Recruiting, Mike Farrell, and out here on the West Coast, National Recruiting Analyst, Adam Gorney. Guys, how are we doing on this Monday? <laughs> I'm actually I'm actually not that tired. I'm, I'm on my um, second chike. Have you ever heard of chike? Is that a no, chai cappuccino? So Chike is a protein powder. Oh jeez! Because we all know how much I lift weights, <laughs> um, but it's got caffeine in it, so it's like three shots of espresso in each one of them. So I'm on my second one. So my legs can't stop moving. Yeah, um, that, that's not good for you, Mike. That's really not no. Good. But it's protein. Protein's good for you. It builds muscle. So. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've actually gained about 15 pounds since I started drinking this stuff, so uh, I'm bulking up properly. Any so muscle, I, though? I, I, no, no fat, all fat, but I, I definitely got some uh, some energy today, a little bit. All right, but good. The, well, that's... The, the, the crash is really ugly. <laughs> yeah, about 3 p.m., well, I want, you're like a, a corpse. Oh, my God, I'm a drooling fool. <laughs> I want to I want to take a video camera in with you when you go to the doctor and you tell him like your your daily intake of of caffeine and you know, and what else you eat. You know what it is though. My pulse rate is normal and my blood pressure is normal. Uh, I have That's a physical. Shocking. I have a physical every year uh, where they draw blood. My cholesterol is good. That's um, amazing. My sugar level. I'm 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 not diabetic or pre-diabetic I'm, I'm normal there that's so unfair i'm just my bmi is just off the charts i mean you know i mean i shouldn't be alive based on my bmi but um overall yeah i mean it's rolling the dice a little bit i've got some ailments as we all do many of mine are mental but uh i'm i'm doing okay so you're still kicking I am still alive, and Chike is helping me stay alive today because Mondays are just brutal. Although I shouldn't complain. I mean, you guys were just in San Francisco area, right? Both of you. Oh, the Bay Area. Yeah, it, was a, it was a great day. Well, I was getting called out on Twitter by every person in the the world, apparently, who took you know the sensitive snowflakes that took exception to my uh, saying that Shaquem Griffin shouldn't. I wouldn't draft him if I were a GM. I, I, I rustled the snowflake world. Big time. Yeah, let's get into that. Let's let's. I've got some things to say about it. I, but why don't you tell? Go back because we we first talked about it last week on the podcast, and then and then you wrote last week about Shaquem Griffin and and why you wouldn't draft him. So why don't you tell the uh, let the story unfold from last? Yeah, week. we we talked about it on the podcast that I wouldn't draft him if I were a GM simply because of the handicap, and it's not like I'm discriminating against handicapped people the nfl discriminates i mean how many women are there in the nfl none so okay there's discrimination how many uh truly handicapped people are there playing in the nfl you know technically none um so you know it's a discriminatory league so I- i'm not being discriminatory i'm just saying 
I, I, if I had an option and I'm in the sixth round, I'm, I'm taking a, another linebacker. And, and it's my personal opinion. It wasn't anything that I was saying, oh, this kid's, you know, just a farce and he's not talented and all this. I said, you know, he's a very talented kid. He had a great combine, but I wouldn't draft him. if that would, That's just me. So, of course, 400 people listen to that on the podcast. So none of that went viral because nobody listens to this. <laughs> Uh, podcast, which I refer to as a piece of garbage every week. Um, so then I wrote about it the next day and in my column, my amazing column, award-winning column, uh, three-point stance, and it got a, quite a bit of reaction. Um, you know, Barstool Sports retweeted it, and that started blowing it up a little bit. But the biggest reaction came from when Jamal Adams, former four-star Rivals.com 2014 safety and, you know, LSU star and number, I think he was number four pick in the draft. Um, uh, and, a, and a New York Jet rookie this past season said, shut up, you clown. What makes you think you can evaluate NFL prospects when you can't even do your job and evaluate high school players? You're the same clown who had me as the 38th player, best player in the country, <laughs> third best safety. Uh, nobody cares what you have to say. Don't ever sell a kid short. So he tweeted that. Now, Jamal has a lot of followers. He's got, you know, 479,000 followers, which is a lot. He used to follow me. I used to follow him. Um, you know, I've always had mad respect for his game. I still do. Uh, but then it hit the New York Post. As it said, Jetstar uh, calls out clown reporter, which is me. I'm the clown reporter. <laughs> regarding Shaquille Griffin, um, and then it just absolutely blew up from there. So I started getting a bunch of text messages saying, you know, what did you do to Jamal Adams, like back when he was being recruited? And, and this is what I did to Jamal Adams, ready? I, I, I helped rank him 38th in the country, which is in the 99.999999 percentile of, you know, players. So he's in that .00001 of elite prospects. Um, I invited him to the Under Armour All-America game. I was on the selection committee when he was invited to that, and he played in that game. Invited him to the five-star challenge. He was in Chicago. So he got you know free trip to Florida for a week, free trip to Chicago, four or five days. And he owes me nothing for any of this, but there's no grudge here on my end. There was no, like, wow, I'm going to keep Jamal Adams down. Uh, but there's a grudge on his end. Uh, and... I, I find it quite humorous because he's winning, right? Ready? There's one winner and there's one loser in this discussion. If you're talking about two people, guess who the loser is? I'm the loser, <laughs> right? He's making millions of dollars playing in the NFL, and I'm talking about class of 2019 kids, you know, five years later. So I don't understand it, but you guys can chime in. It just blew up my entire Twitter timeline. My phone, it just kind of, it was just a, an interesting week. Well, the PC police are out to get you, Mike. That's that's how I see it. it. You know, it's a good story for the Combine, and now everybody's jumped on board, and I think you should have probably wrote that Shaquem Griffin was, should be the number one pick overall. So, And then everybody would love yeah. you, and, and everyone would feel, right. feel good about this story because if you have a, any kind of opinion that doesn't fall in line with how, how the PC police thinks you should think, then everybody jumps on your back. And we'll see how this goes. Shaquem Griffin could be a sixth or seventh round pick and just somebody takes a shot on him. But but he ran 4-3-8. He's a linebacker who ran 4-3-8 in the, at the combine. 
That means he should shoot up the charts and be a second or third round pick. He's not going to be. Everyone knows the reality of what's going on here, but NFL people have to have to be excited about it. All the Jamal Adams sycophants have to go on Twitter and everybody has to jump on your back because you said something that they all they all felt good about something and they're all very sensitive. And now uh, now now you're you're saying something that goes against what they think. And so now you're an idiot and a clown. Hey, Barry. Yeah, well, I, I, you know, I had a couple things. One, it's like Gorney said, we'll see. You know, we'll see in a few weeks after the NFL draft. We'll see where he goes. He may get drafted if he does great for him. I mean, I, knowing you, Mike, I'm, I know that you would want him to do well. It's not like you want any kid to not do well. You're just being real about it, and I agree with you. We'll see in a few weeks, you know, how after the draft, how it plays out. If, if he doesn't get drafted, he'll definitely get signed on as an undrafted free agent, I'm sure. Uh, and then we'll see in a few years. We'll see if he's even still in the NFL in a few years, which I doubt he will be. And then we can go back to Jamal Adams and say, ha ha. <laughs> ah, <laughs> I'm going I'm I'm to save this tweet and see and say, what, what about now, Jamal? No, but uh, I mean, and then also Jamal says, you know, you're the same clown who had me as the 38th best player in the country and third best safety. Well, guess what? The two people ranked ahead of him at safety was Juju Smith was number two and Quinn Blanding number one. Qu- Quinn Blanding is coming out this year. Juju Smith is an awesome receiver. He turned out to be a receiver because he was he was just a freak athlete and could play both ways. But it's not like we were selling Jamal Adams short uh, and to be the 38th best player in the country. That's I mean, you should be in the NFL if, if we rank you that high. So, um, you know, I I think it's a, a lot of fuss over over nothing. But um, I just we'll, we'll see how it, how it plays out here pretty soon. Yeah, and I, 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 I'm just glad it happened because we have something to talk about on this podcast. You know, <laughs> we usually have nothing to talk about. So <clears throat> the other part of it, too, is like, you know, everybody pointed to Jason Pierre Paul and, you know, losing his fingers and all that stuff. And, you know, he's a six foot six, 275 pound edge rusher. Um, Shaquem Griffin is a 230 pound linebacker. OK, so he can't be an edge guy. He's too small. He's undersized to be a linebacker even at that point. Uh, he can't be a defensive back, uh, although people will think he can because he ran a 4-3-8, but he can't be a defensive back. Sorry, you just can't be a defensive back if you're have, if you missing a hand. Um, so, Uh-oh, know, Mike, you said, you said it, Mike. You said it. You should, you should be offended. You're a clown. You said it. I am a clown. Uh-oh. But again, like what position is he going to play? So it's, it's not one of those things where he has a natural position. Now, Todd McShay came out and said, uh, last week that he thinks Shaquem Griffin could go as high as the third round, and he doesn't envision him any later than the fourth. And I never said in my article, and I'm going to read it because it's very short, that he shouldn't be drafted, like that he won't be drafted. I'm sorry. I, I never said he won't be drafted. So when he gets drafted, people are going to be like, oh, yeah, you're a loser. You know, I told you he'd be drafted. I never said that he won't be drafted. I think he will be drafted. Um, I just said that I, I, I wouldn't if I were a GM. And, and the reasons are, are the, those I just gave you, you know. Um, how's he going to tackle, you know, elite guys, Le'Veon Bells of the world, you know. And, again, people say, well, he tackles elite players in college football. Not, not really. You know, he's playing in the AAC. There aren't a ton of guys there that are elite football players. Yeah, he had a good game against Auburn. Auburn has some good football players. Uh, I'm not saying he can't tackle at all, but how's he going to consistently be able to tackle? Um, you know, how's he going to be able to handle 
blocks of 350 pound tackles. I mean, in, in, in the AAC, the average offensive lineman probably averages 300 pounds, but you know, an elite offensive tackle in the NFL is 330 to 350 pounds. How's he going to intercept straight passes? Well, he's got two career interceptions, so I should shut up. You know, well, two's not a ton, but for a linebacker, again, you don't expect them to have that many. But um, I just got a notification that I made Bro Bible. Have you ever heard of Bro Bible? No, what is that? Oh, boy. So I've been getting these notifications constantly um, because as any true narcissist, I have a Google search for my name. Um <laughs> <laughs> which my name is the same as Mike Farrell from MASH, you know, the BJ Honeycutt. Yeah. So I get I get a lot of, uh, you know, anti-death penalty and a lot of political garbage that he sends there. So I did MikeFarrellRivals.com and figured it out. So Jets cornerback Jamal Adams destroys NFL writer. So now I'm an NFL writer. <laughs> and destroyed okay. you. And now he's, he's destroying you. You're yeah. destroyed. For, t- for telling teams... They shouldn't draft Shaquem Griffin because he only has one hand. Now, I didn't tell any teams uh, that they shouldn't draft him, blah, 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 blah. So here's the article real quick. Ready? Uh, I'm going to say what no one else has the guts to say. I wouldn't draft Shaquem Griffin if I was in charge of an NFL team. Griffin, who was born with a condition called amniotic band syndrome, which caused his fingers on his left hand to not fully develop, had his left hand amputated when he was four years old. Since then, he has played football, baseball, track, and has become a star at the college level for UCF on the gridiron. He helped lead his team to an undefeated season this past year while being named the AAC Defensive Player of the Year and MVP of the Peach Bowl against Auburn. And now he's just killed the combine, running the best time for a linebacker since 2003, bench pressing 225 pounds 20 times with prosthetic. Many now feel he has moved himself into the fourth or fifth round of the draft after his performance. So why wouldn't I draft him? Call me a hater uh, if you want or whatever curse words you want to use, but I just don't think a player can be effective at the NFL level without a hand. How will he tackle elite NFL players? How will he shed blocks of 350-pound tackles? How will he intercept straight passes? It goes on. There's more than that where I, I do say he appears to be a very nice kid and handles himself very well and all this other complimentary stuff that everybody else ignored. Um, but then that's where they put in the Jamal Adams uh, you know, tweet, and I got destroyed, and on and on it goes. So... I'll be writing my response to Jamal Adams in my column for tomorrow. All 400 of you that listen to this thing can, um, you know, read that. And just, then I can move on with my life. Just make sure you're sensitive of everyone's feelings and you're considerate of yep. everyone. Uh, and and as, as far as the New York Post writing a story about clown reporter and Jamal Adams, uh, some headlines on the New York Post right now. What comes next for Bell Knox, uh, who, was, who was a porn star Duke student? Uh, let's see what else here. It's hard to get. What does come next for her, though? I'm not. I'm not clicking. I'm not sure. It's hard to get laid uh, if you swing right. There's a video about that. So it's not exactly like uh, the New York Post. This is mainstream MSM fake news media. You know, um, it's the failing New York Post. The failing. The very well, failing New York Post. Who is Sharon Stone's <laughs> hunky boyfriend? I mean, this is really a top-notch media organization. I gotta know that. Well, I apparently am the second. Recruiting reporter, uh, recruiting analyst to get into the New York Post. The first being uh, Jerry Hamilton from ESPN, and I won't say why he got in there. But, um, <laughs> you know, so I, I, I didn't break ground. I'm not the first, but uh, I'm the second. So that's exciting. Uh, listen, I, I, it was just a thought that occurred to me. This three-point stance is supposed to be about thoughts that occur to me, whether I'm shaving or, you know, 
playing video games or writing or, or whatever I'm doing, if a thought comes to me, I'm supposed to craft it into something amazing. And, and that's what thought came to me regarding Shaquem Griffin. So, so he'll be drafted. I'll take another round of abuse. But eventually, you know, when he doesn't become a starter in the NFL and doesn't become the next Lawrence Taylor and all that other stuff, uh, when he either becomes a backup or a special teams guy or is out of the league or whatever, then it will go away and no, nothing will ever be mentioned of it. But yeah. if he turns out to be a great player, I will never hear the end of it ever. Yeah, it won't matter, Mike. If if he if he busts out of the NFL or whatever, you know, you sold the kid short and you'll be blamed for his failure. If he does well, you can never be wrong in life and then they'll come after you again. So this is why Twitter is a, is a very failing uh, social platform. Uh, and why Jack Dorsey, the uh, CEO of Twitter, is trying to figure out how to get rid of trolls. Because you can never have an opinion that doesn't fall in line with everybody because then you'll just get lambasted over and over and over again. And why it's kind of a waste to even do it. Trolls. What was that guy on Stern? Uh, the guy who has his own political podcast? Angry political oh, podcast? Yeah. Trolls. 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 There's another troll. We should take calls on this. Of course, we don't even have the technology to figure out how to tape this no. without any problems. So David Spade, take calls. if you listen to Stern, David Spade had a great, he was he was great last week, and he said something about Twitter, about how you know he went to somewhere and made a joke about Haiti, and it was off-color and all this kind of stuff. And, and then everybody on Twitter came on and said, oh, so you support Hurricane Harvey? It's just, just people are just so obnoxious and just liked it. You know, Twitter gives everyone the right to say whatever they want to someone behind the mask. It's kind of like the message board community. And so, uh, it, you know, they don't really have to say it to your face, and they never will. So it's just pointless. And to I will argue. say this. This is not the first dust-up I've had um, when it comes to discrimination. I was, before Twitter, I was, there was a threat made by a parent to sue me for height discrimination. <laughs> Um, because we didn't rank his son high enough because he was five foot nine cornerback. See, you should not and offend it. That's the that's another community of people. Uh, you should not so what's discriminate. The, what's the difference? Somebody explain to me. You guys are smart. What's the difference between me saying, you know, this kid's five foot nine and he's a corner. I don't think he should be drafted, or this kid uh, is missing a hand and shouldn't be drafted. Nothing. Everyone should They're be. Both discri- Everyone's discriminatory. Every, right? Everyone should be drafted. Everyone should be the number one pick. If you're not the number one player in the country, recruiting analysts hate on you. Uh, and that's just ha- that's the world we live in. And so fighting against it is pointless. It's never going to change until society changes. So no one did sue me about that. <laughs> Honestly, years later, that same person came up to me at a combine uh, or a camp in uh, New Jersey and. Uh, apologized for his actions 10 years later and said you know what i was a little bit out of hand uh i got caught up in it and i'm like okay um (laughs) please leave me alone now so so this is me so when i rank a kid low because he's not as tall as he should be or as angular as he should be at cornerback or if i rank a quarterback too low you know russell wilson Honestly, you should be very upset that I ranked him as a two-star back in the day when he was a five, ten and a half quarterback. <clears throat> you know, he's succeeded. He should be calling me an idiot 
And you know what? I, I don't mind when you call me out and say I'm an idiot. When we yeah, he, he's been carrying he's been carrying this like around for a while. Antonio Brown or, or, or Le'Veon Bell or something like that, who was a two star, turned out to be an absolute superstar. But to call me out when you're 38th in the country, yeah. I call those first world problems. You know, like, oh, wah. You know, I, I, you had me 38th at number three. Um, and, and I looked at his other rankings, and one other service had him 92nd in the country. So he must be really, really upset at them. <laughs> um, and another and another one had him 18th in the country. And I, this isn't the first time also that an NFL player has referenced his ranking to me years later. I mean, there have been other guys who still remember their high school ranking who still use that as a motivation motivational tool uh and, and you'd be really surprised you run into them i was on a plane once and i got sat next to somebody and i won't <laughs> say who who is you know still in the nfl who's pretty high profile and uh he recognized me and all he did was bitch and moan about what ranking he had in high school. Oh my God! And this was this was like six years into his NFL <laughs> career, so it's like um, it just constantly on and on and on and on. So is that the same so flight anyways, that you took? Th- is that the same flight where you watch Black Swan? No, that was a, <laughs> that, was a that was a great. You know, this is the weird thing about it too. Is like Black Swan. I watched, remember that was when I went to uh, the Elite 11 out in California, that riveting uh, Trent Dilfer's first Elite 11, which was the, it, all of them have been equally snoozeworthy since, but that was especially horrible. Yeah, that's when uh, that's when a certain quarterback who was the number one pick overall, I won't mention any names, threw like five passes for an entire weekend. And, and complained the whole weekend <laughs> about how awful the Elite 11 was. And just so you can figure this out, he's from California. He went number one overall. And he also plays in California now, yeah. (laughs) He plays for a team in L.A., but we're not going to name his name. Yeah, we're not saying who it is. But I like that kid a lot. And uh, that was, yeah, he threw five passes. And, like, each day he threw five passes, and it was awful. So that was the flight back from uh, California where I watched Black Swan, which was very uncomfortable (laughs) because they sat me, you know, I was flying coach as always. I mean, you know, what else? Yeah, Southwest only has coach. Well, that's right. I was flying Southwest at the time. So anyways, but, you know, I they sat me next to like an eight-year-old girl or something like that. And I'm, and I'm trying to watch Black Swan, which is, you know, like has some racy scenes in it for sure. Yeah, more of an adult and flick. I'm, right. And I'm not, you know, I'm trying to like angle the computer away. And people are watching me angle the computer away, and they're like, what is he doing? What, what is this freako doing? It was really uncomfortable. Uh, so I remember the movie, but not a lot of it, because I was too busy trying to hide the screen from this poor, innocent person who got stuck sitting next to me who wanted to watch Black Swan. I think at your recommendation, honestly. No, I never saw that movie. Oh, all right. Well, anyways, I'm a big ballet guy, so um, I thought it would have a lot of ballet scenes that I'd be interested in, and it certainly did. So, uh, so anyways, I mean, listen, Jamal, if you're listening, <laughs> there's there's a, 
Okay, so there's a point zero 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 one percent chance that Jamal Adams is listening to this as well. But Jamal, if you're listening, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry you were 38. I'm sorry you had to suffer through that. Um, also, tell him I'm you don't you don't mean to offend him. That's important to to tell him. Yeah, there was no offense intended. I didn't mean to have you number three at safety as well. And and Quinn Blaney, by the way, three time All ACC. First team All American. He won't get drafted as high because he's not an athletic freak, you know. But I, I will tell you this: it looks like right now Juju is going to have a better career than Jamal Adams. Oh God, um, you just oh, you just opened it up again. Well, I'm just saying it looks that way. I mean, has anybody gotten this call, you know, the podcast or whatever we're doing here, going to disagree with that? No one is better than anybody else. Everyone is completely equal. Just make sure you say that Jamal Adams is just as good as Juju. Hold on. I just took another <laughs> swig of chike. Oh, God, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, anyways, you know, I, I apologize. and uh, But, yeah, I've been, I've been threatened physically. Uh, I've been threatened to be sued. Um, I've had death threats. I don't know what else has happened. So, it's nothing that I haven't been through before, but... I do like that they aggregate this stuff, and they just take this, like Bro Bible just did, and, uh, you know, they just turn it into NFL reporter gets trashed by and I'm like, I'm not even a reporter, honestly, much less working for the NFL. So, I will stop selling kids short, Gorney. Okay. That's good. I'm... Now we have nothing to talk about. We're, we're done with Jamal Adams. We have nothing left to talk about. We can. Well, that was the best part of the show. Yeah. Well, we we peaked. <laughs> that's as good as it's gonna get. So if you're listening, that's probably <laughs> where we wrap. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, I see a note in here about Rosen falling to number fifteen in the draft. So fifteen is the Cardinals, right? Yep, that's the Cardinals. So I don't think he can fall that far. My mock draft had. Four of the quarterbacks going in the top six. What I think... How crazy is that? Yeah, that's crazy. It probably won't happen. But what I think uh, Josh Rosen should do is call out Todd McShay and call him a clown on Twitter uh, for having him drop in his mock draft. Now, Jamal Adams is seen as a guy who's sticking up for someone, uh, Shaquem Griffin, and calling someone a clown. Not a bad attitude, kid, but... For some reason, this Josh Rosen stuff continues. Now, I think McShay said that part of the reason why he had Rosen falling is because he's worried that he's not coachable. Um, but every coach that he's ever had kind of raves about the kid. I don't understand where this is coming from. Yeah. I just I don't, don't get either. it. And at least, at least Jamal didn't make it about him at all in his uh, defense of Shaquem Griffin. Um, Todd McShay is making it all about Josh Rosen and you know, attacking him. And it's just really unfair, honestly, because everybody should go number one. Yeah. Honestly. Well, the thing, you know? too, is leading up to this to the combine and everything, and all, all these guys were talking about, uh, you know, how Josh Allen will probably be the number one quarterback taken because he's played in cold weather climates. So that's important. Right. He has big hands. That's important. That's important. Uh, you know, all those kinds of things. Well, now McShay has Darnold number one, who's a southern, who's always lived in Southern California, played at USC, and has smaller hands than Rosen and Allen. So all of the justifications for why Josh Allen would go number one, Todd McShay threw out the window. 
all of the reasons why Rosen would go number one, hand size or whatever else, have gone th- out the window. And Darnold, who didn't even throw at the Combine, uh, was the only quarterback who didn't throw, is now number one on the board. So I don't get the thinking here. Um, Other than they're the Cleveland Browns and they'll make a mistake. Yeah, they will screw it up, of course. I, I think, you know, they, they, were you shocked? Is that our game? Did it surprise you? What's our game day, Barry? Are you surprised? Are you surprised? Are you in the bathroom again, Dave? <laughs> All right. Um, Tyrod Taylor, didn't they just sign Tyrod Taylor? Yeah, but he's not the long-term answer, right? Well, why would they sign him? Just as a bridge. To mentor, to mentor whoever's coming in? Why would you want him to mentor when he's not very good? TotalProSports.com just picked up the Shaquille Griffin story. By the way, this is over a week old. Um, but they did say, and it's funny, it said, people like feel-good stories about hope and perseverance and the indomitable human spirit. Oh, boy. They don't like, they don't like harsh realism. <laughs> that's, um, that's good. Yeah, but then they said my harshest critic was Jamal Adams. Uh, apparently Farrell once underrated Adams when he was a college prospect, so Adam used this opportunity to tell Farrell that. In fact, he's terrible at assessing talent. And then they put the tweet in there and it said, you certainly got to love Jamal Adams' spirit. Hat tip. Oh, man. I'm like, oh, my God. Well, back to the draft, <laughs> whatever. The Browns will screw it up. We know that. I, I mocked them to take uh, Saquon Barkley and then um, – I mocked them to take, uh, I think, Baker Mayfield number four, which is why I had the run on quarterbacks because I figured if they didn't take a quarterback number one, which is unlikely, then the Giants would jump on Darnold, and then the Colts would jump on Bradley Chubb, um, and then uh, and then we would have a run on quarterbacks. When Mayfield went, then the Broncos would panic and then take Rosen, and then the Jets would panic and then take Allen. So there's my four out of six. Yeah, it could it could happen. I If I was an NFL GM and I should clear it with Jamal Adams if I should try to be one, um, I would take Saquon Barkley, number one, and get it over with. And this is why, because, you know, it, the Darnold, Allen, Rosen, Mayfield debate, you take any one of those guys and you can have a hit or a miss on your hands. Uh, no, nothing is guaranteed there, where Saquon Barkley is guaranteed. And if you wait until four, you're really running the risk of missing out on Barkley, um, who could be your star running back for years to come, where at quarterback, you're taking a real risk if you take Darnold, Rosen, Allen, or Mayfield one, and then waiting to see if Barkley is there at four, because I think the Giants would would swipe him up at two. What's risky about the quarterbacks, though? What's your... What's well, your um criticism i, I want to hear it because it's no like what so what's what's what do you have against court do you hate quarterbacks well you know we had rosen number two in the country so if he goes number one i don't want him calling me a clown on on twitter because i'd be very offended yeah he's yeah he's got to go two or less now did, Arnold, we had way down, so did, 150 something, I think. When Jamal Adams called you a clown and he sold you short, did did you hide under your bed and cry all weekend, Mike? No, I just I just was like, do I respond? And I had people telling me I should respond, and it's funny. One of our former bosses, I'm sure you guys know who it is. Uh, <laughs> texted me and said what did you do to jamal adams i thought you were good to him all along and i just said you know 
just snowflake factor, man. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it's nothing I did. It's just one of those things. So, um, yeah. So mocking out the quarterback thing to me was the panic factor. So let's say the Browns take one at one. Yeah. And let's say the Giants take one at two. Then you got four, five, and six all need quarterbacks. Yeah. Um, well, they don't. I'm well, sorry. five and Four six, won't. yeah. The Browns won't. The five and six need quarterbacks. So then those two. And then there's a huge drop-off, you know, in most people's mind from Allen, who could, by the way, if he wants to, he could tweet any time after he's drafted that I'm a complete clown because he was only a two-star. See, that's what we call a miss. Being a two-star and being a top, you know, ten pick in the NFL draft, that's a complete miss. Um, so he can tweet at, at Rivals Mike if he wants to. But – I think the drop-off to the next guy, which many people think is Lamar Jackson or Mason Rudolph, is very, very steep. So if the Broncos or the Jets want a quarterback, are they going to wait? You know, Because after, after the top four, I think this draft class gets very ugly yeah. at quarterback. Yeah. Very ugly. Yeah. And it'll be interesting because... I think there has been talk of Cleveland trying to trade that top pick or being even open to it by getting Tyrod Taylor over the weekend. Are they even more open to that now? It'll be interesting to see if they're even sold on any of these guys at the number one pick. Uh, can they, if they sell that number, if they trade that number four pick, do they take Barkley number one and then use Tyrod Taylor uh, and then wait on a quarterback for next year or trade down into the later later first round or second round to take a guy like Mason Rudolph, um, who I don't think is all that far off from these other guys. Uh, we've talked about this too, and I hope it doesn't offend anybody listening. Um, but uh, could this draft class be kind of a little bit of a bust? I mean, there are definitely questions about Darnold with turnovers. There's definitely questions about Rosen. Can he be coached and will he listen? Uh, there are definitely questions about Josh Allen. Uh, whenever he's played a good team, when Wyoming played a good team, he looked terrible. Uh, questions about Baker Mayfield off-field problems. Uh, and he's played Big 12 defenses. Can he do what he did in the Big 12 in the NFL? It's hard to know. Um, so are these teams, you know, the media hype is that all these quarterbacks are legit and all these guys are awesome and everybody's going to go in the top 10 and all this kind of stuff. But a lot of these teams might look at this and be like, I'd rather take Quentin Nelson and look for a quarterback later on. So we'll, I, I think it could be interesting that some of these quarterbacks might you know, shuffle around or a lot of these top teams, especially the Browns, might, might trade those picks to, to load up on other players. I think, I think the safest bet is honestly a number one is to take Barkley, like you mentioned, with the quarterbacks. Because it, I just don't know. Every one of them's got a problem. Yeah. Darnold turns the ball over. Allen can't play against FBS guys. Mayfield's got the off-field stuff, and he's not exactly the tallest guy in the world. And then you got Rosen and, you know, his truth bombs. And, you know, a lot of people don't want that guy leading their team. So too many questions. But the one player that there's no question marks about is Barkley. Yeah. Nice kid, high character, tested off the charts. Uh, does everything you want, hard worker, blah, blah, blah. So, But with running backs, it's tough because one injury and they're done. Uh, and they're not the same football player. And they have a shelf life of about six, seven years uh, unless they're freaks. So that's the concern where if you nail a quarterback, you could get a 14-year guy. So 
I don't know. It's interesting to talk about. Not nearly as interesting as Jamal Adams, but it's interesting to talk about. If you were the Browns, if you were the Browns, and you took if you took Barkley at one, which quarterback would you take it for? Would you take the? I think the biggest risk is is Baker Mayfield because he could. I would take Rosen. Yeah. But, yeah. You know, Rosen's been my number one guy, and you're number one guy for a long time. Uh, it, let's say nobody else takes a quarterback. Let's say the Giants don't go in that direction, and you know, you, you get your pick. I would take Rosen. Yeah. But I think they would take Darnold. Uh, my assumption would be that if they pick Barkley at one, I think Darnold, Darnold would be gone because someone would trade up to number two if the Giants didn't take him. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, the Giants would take him. Hey, were you surprised Kevin Ollie got fired? <laughs> uh, well, he you know he a couple years ago he won a national championship for the for the Yukon Huskies, um, uh, but he had two bad seasons and then you know. College basketball, those improper workouts, that's, that's I think, the key. I think the presidents of the universities have been, have been smartened up about this. That's the way to get these coaches out. If there's any question about recruiting tactics, if there's any question about possibly paying people, there's a coach in Arizona, I won't mention his name because I don't want to drag him through the mud, uh, that there's a report that he's on an FBI wiretap uh, <laughs> saying to deal with him for money. He comes out last week and says, that's completely false and I never did it. So someone is lying there. I mean, either the FBI has a has him on wiretap saying that he did deal with him for the money, or he didn't say that. So someone is completely wrong uh, or completely lying. So, no, I'm not uh, surprised Kevin Ollie got you, fired. They got rid of Kevin Ollie for cause, right? So yep. they found a reason to get rid of him for cause so they don't have to pay him out. You know, and, and I... I can guarantee you through the many years of Jim Calhoun being at UConn that probably there was more shenanigans going on there than than with Kevin Ollie. Um, yeah. Just living in Connecticut and knowing a lot of people around the program. Um, but, again, you win national titles consistently, and there's no cause. Uh, that's why I'm saying that's, that's, yeah. the, that's the thing they're going to get a lot of these coaches on, these improper workouts. Um, it's amazing that the president of the university and an athletic director who basically lives in the gym at these schools didn't see these workouts going on ever until, uh, you know, they had to fire a coach. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's how I think they're going to get a lot of these guys that are going to say improper workouts, fire for cause, you're out of here and keep your mouth shut. So we can talk a little recruiting. I don't know if anybody cares about that. Uh, they should, if you're tuning into this, cause this is kind of what we do, but Texas got a big one yeah. and you know how much I like this kid. Um, yeah. So, you know, just, what was it, last week or the week before we were talking about, I think you and I were talking about how, you know, Texas doesn't have a lot of commitments in this class. Uh, Texas A&M does. Oklahoma does. Um, but now they got Jordan Whittington, who's the highest-ranked non-five-star in this class right now. Uh, could be a five-star before all is said and done. 6'1", 205, played wide receiver or safety. Uh, big time get for them, and I think, you know, when you're looking at it, we looked at how many kids have committed. You know, when you look at the top, Jaden Hassel is committed, and then there was a drop off down to Christopher Hinton at number 13, and then there was a huge drop off down to number 20. Now, Whittington's in there. I think this is probably, I'm gonna say it's the biggest commitment so far, including Hasselwood. 
and including, well, no, I'm going to say number two, because Hinton out of Georgia is probably a bigger one. I just like this kid a little bit better, even though he's not as ranked as high. I think he will be ranked as high in the end. Yeah, I think it's I think it's important. Uh, Texas has been slow out of the gates, and slow in quotation marks. I mean, it's still, what, 10 months until the early signing period or something like that. So uh, they have plenty of time to do things. Uh, they, they cleaned up in Texas last recruiting cycle. It looks like Texas A&M is getting a little more aggressive. Oklahoma had a good start. I think they had three each of the top 20 or something like that in the state. Um, but now, you know, Texas is, is much more involved. And, uh, yeah, I think this is a big-time get. I think it's going to be interesting to see how this 19 class comes together for Texas because 18 was basically built on all hope. A lot of those kids... Uh, you know, you know, looked at Tom Herman and the job he was doing there. Uh, six and six or seven and six, they finished not not you know phenomenal. Doesn't blow the socks off of anybody, but a lot of those kids saw opportunities to play early, and also saw that it was just a change in the feel of how things were being run in in Austin. So that's important. If they come out of the gates this year slow again, and they can't figure out their quarterback and uh, you know, they can't score enough points and their defense isn't playing as well. It'll be interesting to see if Texas kids start going to look at Texas A&M if they, if they have a strong start or whatever. But uh, Whittington is huge. You love the kid. I've never seen him in person yet, so I'll, I'll hold off. Um, I'll hold off because as one brilliant person said, in-person evaluations are the most important way to see people, Mike. Um, oh, my God. That person knows <laughs> what you're talking about. <laughs> And so, uh, that person has taught me so much <laughs> in my career. You have no idea. And, and so I'll wait. My, my I'll wait to see him in person. But yeah, definitely a big pickup, and definitely, definitely a great start to this Texas recruiting class. Now, Whittington had an LSU offer, so apparently we're just in that Jamal Adams is insulted and disgusted by this choice of Texas and he feels it's an affront to LSU football that he didn't choose the Tigers. Now, so. now Whittington is 18th in the country. Should we check with him to see if he's offended by that ranking or should he be higher or lower? He'll probably be offended. I'm trying to think who was the highest rated player ever who was offended by their ranking. <laughs> that would be a good one. I have to go back and really look at each class and figure that out. Trying to think if there was anybody number two who was really, really, really offended. I was offended that Miles Garrett was number two, but I'll just leave that here. Yeah, I know, but he wasn't offended. No, he wasn't. He was, offended. He, was a, he was he was a nice kid, and Rosen wasn't offended at all because he couldn't care less. No, he, he he basically said, "I really don't care what you even do for a living, so just leave me alone." Yeah, Vernon Hargraves was number two, but he wasn't offended. He wasn't exactly the nicest person to deal with, um, but he wasn't offended. I'm trying to think if there's a number two. Uh, DJ Humphreys was a very nice kid, so he wasn't really offended. I'll just go through this while we talk about other stuff. He was number four. Oh, that is highly offensive. Um, he he wasn't really that offended. No, he he was cool. Yeah, he was, he was cool. cool. Jabril Peppers was three. He was pretty cool. You know, that, that 2014 class, except for Adams, most of them were pretty cool. I mean, Joe Mixon turned out to be not so cool, but um, he was number eight. Uh, you know, Jalen Tabor, well, Marlon Humphrey wasn't cool. We know that. He, he was not. No, he, it, it was challenging. He was a challenging kid to deal with. Adoree was sixth. He's cool. Kyle Allen was a miss at seven, but, you know. Yeah. 
And he came out. Why did he come out? Yeah. The, the only... I mean... The, the only thing I can think is he knew he wasn't going to get the starting job at Houston, which was his second school, and he can maybe join a practice squad somewhere. That's kind of it. That's pretty ugly. Reggie Bush was number two one year. He wasn't upset. No. Uh, and he should have been number one. Teddy Ginn uh, was number two. He, he wasn't upset. I'd have to go back and look and see who was the, the one that was offended the most. I've had a, a couple people over the years... Uh, highly, highly rated guys. Some guys that are currently in the NFL, in the NFL, insist on having their profiles removed from rivals because they were so disgusted by their ranking. <laughs> uh, and again, these were high, highly ranked kids. And of course, we told them uh, absolutely not because you're a public figure, and we're going to put you on our website whether we you like it or not. Yeah, we but could do I, whatever we want to do. They can't tell us to remove things. Don't they know who we are? Yeah. Um, yeah, most of these guys didn't really care about their ranking. I always said, you know, the, the only person happy with their ranking is the number one player in the country. But most of the kids that were up top, you know, like two, three, four, five in that range, uh, as I'm looking through this, were not completely upset about their ranking. So Jamal's in... Uh, you know, he's, he's in a small group. He's in a small little angry group. But there are others involved, like I said. Um, so, but how about this? So, Devonta Jason has been replaced this season. What do you mean? Do you know what I'm, do you know what I'm talking about? No. Devonta Jason, you remember Devonta Jason from last year, right? Oh, yeah. Signed with Mississippi State. Yeah, where did he commit to early? Kansas. Yeah, and what was weird about that? Kansas. <laughs> yeah, so, so Mar Marquez Beeson out of Bishop Dunn. Yes. Number seven, 78 player in the country committed to Illinois. And what's weird about that? Illinois. Right. Yes. How Do we think this is going to stick? Am I missing some relationship? Am I missing some blood relative um what am i missing well i think he just visited there i could be wrong i haven't really researched this i was busy at a combine and camp all weekend uh but uh it's very weird um he visited there and i think he and he committed kind of on the spot number now he has two teammates like calvin avery's his teammate mm -hmm. so he signed with them last year mm -hmm. and so did uh, uh myers from Bishop Dunn as well. So they both signed with Illinois last year. So that's where I'm thinking this is going. Now, see, but uh, that didn't matter because Devontae Jason had like four teammates who committed on that trip. I think he had his co his former coach was on that Kansas staff. Um, none of that matters in the end. Well, his brother, Zariah Beeson, is a highly, highly regarded 2020 kid. So the chances of this sticking, the chances of Illinois hanging on what what percentage do you give it <sighs> less than less than 50 i would say very small oh my god you're you're that high less than 50 well i'm saying there's I'm very little chance less than five percent <laughs> that's what i'm saying right now every unless there's something i'm missing completely you know he's real tight with these guys i mean i don't know 
Maybe, maybe he lives with the Avery family. I don't know the ins and outs of this. I, I know the connection is the teammates, but I don't know, you know, whether that's going to be enough to stick because the kids got offers. Yeah, yeah. From everybody. Everyone in Champagne is gonna is rushing to Twitter right now to call you a clown. Well, that's true. I'm wondering if there's any former Illinois like Dick Buckus is going to come out and call me a clown. <laughs> but I don't think he knows how to use Twitter. Right? No, no, I, I, I doubt it. No. Yeah. But he's the most famous Illinois alum, right? Uh, let's see if Dick Buckus has Twitter. All right, find them. Uh, no, I don't think so. All right. Dr. Dick Buckus. Right. <laughs> what kind of doctor is he? I, I don't want to tell you. Doc, Dr. Dick Buckus? <laughs> Please, do you really know or do you not know? Oh, Dr. Dick Buckus is a uh, made-up. I thought there was really a Dr. Dick Buckus, <laughs> like a true physician. I don't think right, so. So it's, it's a parody account. Yeah. I, See, that's... I. See how cool I am. I know these terms. Parody account. When I saw when I saw Marquez, uh, the Beeson kid uh, commit to Illinois, I was like, "Wow, this is very surprising." Uh, I, I don't think it sticks. I think this was one of these reactionary visit, like the place, commit, and then go through your recruitment. That has been a strategy for a lot of kids, though. Uh, commit early. Uh, take your time, don't be bothered, say you're committed, and then at the end, you know, just flip to the school that you pretty much intended to go to, go to anyway last year. That's Jaden Woodby did that. Uh, he had been committed to Ohio State for a very long time and was very serious about Ohio State, liked it a lot, and then flipped to Florida State last minute. I asked him if, if he didn't go to Florida State, would he have gone to Ohio State? And he said, no, he would have gone to USC. So the school he had been committed to was basically his third choice. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of weird. <clears throat> but it's Ohio State, USC, and Florida State. It's not, not Illinois, Illinois. right? I mean, is, we're not here to disparage Illinois because every Power Five team is equal, right? And all of them recruit at the same level. But it's just, it's, it's definitely, a, it's it. Hey, it's a big deal. It's a really good commitment. I was at a barbecue uh, place last year watching Illinois football against South Florida, and it was it, they, they were terrible. They were just awful. Then later in the season, I watched them against Nebraska, and things had not improved much. So uh, maybe he sees it as a possibility to get on the field from day one and be a superstar. But I, I, a kid, Illinois going into Texas, getting a, a four-star kid, uh, who also has a brother who's in the 2020 class who's going to be recruited by everybody. I would imagine they want to play together. This sounds like he's going to end up at Texas or Texas A&M, if you ask me. All right, let's move on to bracketology. Okay. Who's winning the national championship? I've got my pick. Let me pull up my bracket. Um, oh, did you fill it out? Yes. Hold on. I didn't fill it out. I just picked the winner. Oh. Well, who's your final four? All right, so here's my final four. Uh, Gonzaga, right? Am I saying that right, or is it Gonzaga? I wouldn't want to offend the school, so I don't want to tell you. I think it's I, I think it's Gonzaga. Gonzaga, Cincinnati. Okay. All right. Villanova. And Duke. So you have a four seed, a two seed... A two seed and a one seed. Okay, that's that's not horrible. And the winner is Villanova. 
Oh, boy. They'll win the national championship. Yep. They're going to beat the Zag. I have... It's got to be Gonzaga because they're the Zag. Yeah, they're not the Zogs. Zogs. Yeah, Gonzaga, Zags. Gonzaga. Shows you how much I know about basketball. (laughs) Villanova's winning it all. So... I have uh, I have Virginia, Michigan, Purdue, and Kansas. Obviously, Big Ten heavy since it's the greatest conference of sports in all of all of the Power Five. And then uh, Virginia and Kansas playing. See, I don't like that though. Two number one seeds. See, every year. No, well, uh, my strategy. Virginia's never. They they've never been there before. They're not gonna. The last time they were good, they had Ralph Sampson. They're not gonna. They're gonna choke. And then Kansas always chokes. Yeah, Kansas does, but. The problem I have with with this is you always have to pick upsets. So a four always beats, or a or a what is it? A five always beats a twelve or something. Yeah, twelve always beats a five every beats year. Five. Yep. But then if you pick the wrong twelve over five, you're screwed for the rest of the bracket sometimes. So the strategy really is what my dad does: is he picks every single favorite down the board and then accumulates the most points. And then usually has at least three of the four final four teams in it because the upsets happen early. This is, this is no offense to your father. I've never met him. He sounds like a very nice man. This sounds like I'm going to be that's offended. The, that's the most boring freaking thing I've ever heard anybody do. You want to talk about ruining bracketology? You know what? You're such a clown. Let's, let's just take the favorite You're ta- of every game. <laughs> like, that's the most boring crap thing i've ever heard in my entire life and both of my parents are dead so you could say whatever you want about them if you wish but that is just crap it's crap does he win i'm so offended let's end this podcast i'm gonna go cry now he doesn't win right he doesn't well he's always in the running though it's kind of like when a poker player like folds and folds and folds and hangs around and hangs around that's kind of what he that's kind of how he plays this game so he's uh now i know where you get your uh daring zest for life (laughs) (laughs) when he folds and folds and folds and just picks the favorite and plays it safe This is why you're afraid of elevators and wide spaces at the same time. You've been screwed up, and I blame your father now. Oh, my God. This is really, this is, I'm so offended. I don't even know what to say. Um, but, but I don't. Do you have UVA or Kansas? I, I'm taking Virginia, and I think it's their year because, oh. and, and here's why. Here's why. Every other year that they've lost, they've, they've played someone pretty decent and they were the, the athleticism took them out. This year, their bracket is so friggin' easy. Cincinnati, give me a friggin' break. The number three seed is Tennessee. Arizona, their coach is under possible FBI investigation. And it probably has his U-Haul already hitched to this car to go to UConn or Pitt. Uh, got Kentucky in here, bro. Kentucky. Uh, Kentucky's the five seed. I don't care. Kentucky's garbage this year. Uh, and then, and then the bracket below them, Xavier's the number one seed, which people are saying might be the the worst number one seed of all time. Uh, North Carolina is not that great. I have Michigan going to the final four. So they're almost guaranteed a final four spot, if not a spot in the national championship, if they play, play well. And this year, Virginia is good. Uh, so give me, let me answer this question for me. Other than lacrosse, what has Virginia ever won? In anything in the history of the world. Well, that's the thing, and 
when when I, I was convinced that they were going to be ACC champs because I saw rankings on Andrew Brown and Quinn Blanding of five star, and I thought both of them were just going to be so dominant that they were going to take over the conference, and that just had hadn't happened, and I and I just I'm, I wonder why. Wow, that's pretty rough, right there. <laughs> So you're deflecting is what you're <laughs> That's saying. What I'm you're deflecting. You're going after my crappy rankings again it, to deflect. But they've never won anything ever. This is the year for them right? to win it. Well, you know. I, I mean, soccer. They're good at soccer. They're good at soccer. I've been to Charlottesville. Beautiful town. And lacrosse. They're good at lacrosse. Good. Men's tennis. They had a win streak of 159-0 from 2006 to 2016. So that's good. I mean... Uh, it's the school that founded by a former president, right? I mean, Thomas Jefferson, found, did he found the school? I don't know. I don't know nothing about anything. So you can quote me on that. <laughs> Baseball, they won the World Series in 2015, apparently. So, yeah, the, the, it's uh, a school of winning. That's all they do, no matter what. Women's rowing, women's rowing has two NCAA titles. How are you finding these stats uh, so quickly? It's on Virginia Cavalier. You just go to Wikipedia. Oh, okay. Six indoor men's tennis titles, but there's nothing in like football, pick, or basketball. Pick your upsets. So a five always beats a twelve. Okay. All right. So no, a, t- a twelve always. I'm beats sorry. A five. I, yeah, twelve yeah. always beats a five. I'll take New Mexico. Well, Kentucky's not losing to Davidson. That's not happening. Kentucky's beating Davidson. Okay. San Diego State could beat Ohio State. Okay. I like I like no, New Mexico State over right? Clemson. Dave Barry, can San Diego State beat Ohio State? No, that's you're 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 getting them confused. That's South Dakota State playing oh, Ohio State. Oh, for Christ's sake! They have to... San Diego. Oh. San Diego State is playing is an 11 seed playing Houston, oh, which I like that. Is, this is I like why I them. I don't even like basketball. Stupid. <laughs> There's too many teams. SDST should be San Diego State. So what's South Dakota the abbreviation for San Diego State? Is SDSU. Oh, that's true, because it is San Diego State University. South Dakota State. Mm-hmm. All right, so South Dakota State, I don't even know what state they're in. South Dakota. So they're not going to win. Oh. Um, <laughs> they're not going to beat Ohio State, so that's not going to happen. Murray State, the Racers, could beat West Virginia, but I don't think that's going to happen. So that's, I will give you the New Mexico State one. That's Popeye Jones's old school. You can never discount the Racers. Yeah, you can, because West Virginia is pretty good. Yeah, I like West Virginia. I think West Virginia could actually make a run in the tournament. So I have West... They could, except they run into Villanova. Yeah, and you're not going to beat a Philly team if you're from West Virginia. I mean, give me a break. And why the hatred on Villanova? I mean, you're from that area. Oh, I have no hatred for Villanova. I love Villanova. I think Jay Wright's a great coach, great school, beautiful campus, one of the best cities in the entire country, if not the best. Uh, And why aren't you picking Penn to beat Kansas? Well, because I'm a realist, too. I'm trying to win money here. I mean, not money. Uh, We just play for fun. And so, uh, yeah, but I do think (laughs) that that, uh, this could be a year. Could this be a year where a number two beats a 15? Let's see. Iona's not going to beat Duke, I don't think. SDSU. Although Tim Kluis, I covered him when I was at Newsday on Long Island. So I'm pulling for whatever Iona's nickname is. Uh, Lipscomb, uh, North Carolina, I don't see, although I'm not sold on North Carolina. 
Hey, Dave, how about how about Cal State Fullerton beating Purdue? I hope not, because I have Purdue in the Final Four. <laughs> I saw them the other night. They weren't too bad, so we'll give them a shot there. I think Purdue has a pretty pretty easy route to at least the Elite Eight. I mean, uh, Arkansas Butler, give me a break. Texas Tech was good early. They're a sham now, if you ask me. Purdue, Purdue Villanova is going to be a great game in the Elite Eight. I think this is the longest we've ever gone. It's been an hour, right? Yeah, one hour, well, four minutes. You, you don't mess with me and my 117,000 followers, <laughs> who all apparently hate me. Yeah, no, my tides are going all the way, baby. Yeah, so so we got our we got our basketball picks in. And we talked to Mal Adams. We talked a little recruiting. Uh, we talked a little draft. We didn't get to talk about the Rams signing two of the biggest thugs in the NFL at cornerback. But that was kind of interesting. There's a lot of stuff out there that's happening with free agency. So we'll probably hit that next week. Yeah. Because um, I think it's very interesting. Yeah, and we didn't talk much uh, football, really. Remember James Hurst? <laughs> Do you remember James Hurst? Yes. Jamal Adams really dominated this podcast. The, uh, Ravens. He was number 32 in the nation. I wonder if he's snowflakey about his rating. He's pro- Cause remember, a lot of people had him as a five-star yeah. initially, uh, and we didn't. We decided to hold off on that, and now he's a pretty average offensive lineman in the NFL, but he's probably really upset about his ranking as well. The Chiefs just released Tom Bahali. Tom Bahali, I told you this. The greatest story about Tom Bahali was that Joe Paterno, when he was, what, like 78 years old, went to Tom Bahali's school <laughs> and played him one-on-one in basketball. <laughs> uh, okay. And that was the reason Tom Bahali committed to Penn State, because Joe Pa showed that uh, that he was young. And then four years later, Joe Paterno uh, couldn't make any more in-home visits and wasn't as young as Tom but thought, but that's why he chose. Um, that's why he chose Penn State because he played one-on-one basketball with Joe Paterno. So take that. What's most important about Tom Bahali is he's from Teaneck, New Jersey, and in Teaneck, New Jersey, is White Mana Hamburgers, maybe the best hamburger place in the entire country. So, how do, how do you even know that? Because when I used to cover basketball recruiting in the late '90s and early 2000s, the Adidas ABCD camp was at. Fairleigh Dickinson University, which is in Hackensack, New Jersey, right next to Teaneck. And uh, we always went there for burgers. Oh, well, good for you. I, I, had White, I, had, I had White Castle once. Oh. I was with Tim, Tim, Tim Watts from Bama Online when they were with our network. And we were in New Jersey, and we were at a camp, and we were watching, actually, you know, um, Kenny Britt, Vidal Hazleton, it was that class. And uh, he brought me to White Castle because he said White Castle are the greatest hamburgers ever, and they were absolutely disgusting. Oh, they're terrible! They're they're terrible, gross. terrible. Steamed hot dogs. Speaking so speaking gross. of I mean, yeah, uh, hamburgers. Speaking gross. of uh, disgusting. Speaking of food at camps and something that I was highly offended by, and I still can't get over. Uh, two years ago at the New Jersey Rivals camp, uh, we're in the heart of New York City, the the pizza capital of the world, other than Northeast Pennsylvania, which has the greatest pizza places ever. Uh, we were. I'm all excited about lunch. It's camp. I'm starving. It's one o'clock, and what shows up? Domino's. Domino's. 
It's no surprise. <laughs> I mean, honestly, there's absolutely no surprise there whatsoever. But anyways, we'll go out on that note because we don't want to get in too much trouble. So uh, I think that's it. What a great podcast. This one should get at least 450 people listening, I think, right? I'm pumped. Hey, guys. Thanks. All right. Well, everybody, uh, check out uh, check us out on Twitter and at Real Day Barry, and we will see you all again next week.